0: This morning, um, I'm starting a series of talks which will probably take until 2021. <laughs> um, which will other talks will go in because Mr. Purnell, who is over Southwood and Ferries this morning, um, will be doing his own thing. And I'm just checking the time because it's just gone quarter two. So I would say 10 two because I'm trying to be strict with everybody else. So I want to be strict with myself. So we will be doing over the next year, um, looking at Psalm 119, and it's a great psalm, and I know V, because I've talked with V about this a couple of weeks ago, and it's been something that I just felt God was just laying on our heart for us to, to kind of connect with. And one of the issues was I felt was actually we needed to really take hold of the word of God. And, um, and as we go through Psalm 119, as some of you will be aware, it's the longest psalm in the Bible. Now, I'm to, there's a lot of words I can use, but I'm going to do it very simply. There's 22 segments in Psalm 119. And each segment is eight verses. So each person will be taking eight verses. If we go through it, the eight 22 sections are the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, and each section is, will take us through the alphabet of the Hebrew alphabet, whatever that may be, because it, 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 we've no relevance to us apart from what we're reading in Scripture. <laughs> but we wanted to do it because we felt it was really important that you know, we're pushing in to see kingdom of heaven come. We want to see the supernatural. We want to see healings. We want to see people come to Jesus. But we need to take hold of what the Word of God is about. And I just want to ask this morning, who's got their Bibles with them? Got Bibles? Can we just put our Bibles in the air? Actually, that's good. You know, the Lord was challenging me something recently. Oh, sorry. The Lord was challenging me something recently because I always used to read my Bible. I've got through so many Bibles because I drop them in the bath. I have my quiet time in the bath. Many of you will know my story. And um, so I thought I'd try and be clever and um, be a little bit more organized in my bath time. So I had a a stall by my bath, and I used to have my lap, my notepad, and everything else. But the Lord really challenged me to go back to actually reading from the Word, from actually Scripture. And, you know, I do my study, and I use my iPad then. But when you are reading Scripture, I really want to suggest to you that you use your Bible. There is something about having the Word of God in your hands. And um, so as we go through, we're going to look at lots of wonderful things through Psalm 119. This week, Robin away at an um, apostolic weekend retreat. Well, it wasn't the weekend, it was the week, but it was three days. And um, and just in passing, in a conversation with somebody, the Lord kind of really confirmed to me what we were to do, you know, what we were doing was right. And we was reminded of the prophetic word from Smith Swigglesworth. And as many of you will know, Smith Swigglesworth was a a guy that lived um, up to about the late 1940s. And he just saw the most amazing supernatural stuff happening around this nation. But he released the prophetic word in 1947, shortly before he died in 1947. So it was just literally shortly before he died. And I want to read the prophetic word because I believe it's really important to understand this to know where we're going, okay? So during the next few decades, now have in mind this is 1947, there will be two distinct moves of the Holy Spirit across the church in Great Britain. The first move will affect every church that is open to receive it, and it will be characterized by the restoration of the baptism and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which we saw very much in the 60s and 70s, and many of us were aware of that and part of that. The second move of the Holy Spirit will result in people leaving historic churches and planting new churches in the duration of each of these moves. The people who are involved will say, this is the great revival, But the Lord says, no, neither is this the great revival, but both are steps towards it. When the new church phase is on the wane, there will be evidence in the church of something that has not been seen before, which reminds me of the word that Rob keeps bringing up. We've never been this way before. A coming together of those, an emphasis on the word and an emphasis on the spirit When the Word and the Spirit come together, there will be the biggest move of the Holy Spirit that the nations and indeed the world has ever seen. It will mark the beginning of a revival that will eclipse everything that has been witnessed within these shores, even the the Westernism and Welsh revivals of former years. The outpouring of God's Spirit will flow over the United Kingdom and into mainland Europe. And from there, there will begin missionaries move to the ends of the earth. Now, many of us will know that prophetic word, and if you know who's you never heard that word before, well, there's a few, and that word has been going around for a lot of years. But I felt in my spirit there was a quickening that God was saying, "Now is the time when the Spirit and the Word come together," and I want to encourage us this year. We we are, as a church, looking and believing that we are going to believe for a thousand. that We're building family. We want to see the supernatural. We want to see the release of the presence of God in our midst. We want to see, you know, heaven come down. But we need to walk hand in hand with the Spirit and the Word. Uh, and, uh, you know, it is so critical that we take hold of it. I just wonder if we could just show that clip, two-minute clip, just now, if that's okay, because Bill Johnson says something a lot clearer, and I'm not sure I could do it justice.
1: And let's say as you go to French you or some nice restaurant, and you you taste the finest thing you've ever tasted, and you go into the in the reception area uh, of the of the of the restaurant, and there they've got cookbooks by Chef Keller or whoever happens to be, and you say, "Man, I want that again," and you pull off that menu that. The, the cookbook and you find oysters and pearls and you start looking at all these ingredients and you go, you know what I, I don't like that that's oysters I don't like that caviar oh look at that spice I never did like that oh they put that but that's kind of bland I don't know why you put that in a recipe and you go all through this recipe and you find there's not very many things on there you would ever enjoy by itself unless, of course, you throw in chocolate chips at the end. (laughs) So you've got this recipe of bitter-tasting things, fishy-tasting things, sour-tasting things, too salty, too sweet, too bland, but somehow the master chef has put it together in perfect balance, and it becomes the best thing you've ever eaten in your life. This book has bitter things, sour things, things that are so sweet, things that are so confrontive, things that are so challenging, things that are so exotic in and of themselves, but when they've been blended into the whole, it is the absolute finest meal you will ever eat. This is that which you were born for. It's the whole counsel of God. It's not just some people, they just drive me nuts. They just go through and find just the feel-good verses. No, you need to be slapped. <laughs> it's called a sword for a reason. There are things clinging on to you that shouldn't be there. The Bible says the word of God is good for correction. Proverbs 12, verse 1 says, and this is, this is like in the New King James translation. This isn't the Message Bible. It says, he who hates correction is stupid. (laughs) (laughs) He who hates correction is just plain stupid. They're just dumb. Let me extend it. He who hates to be corrected by Scripture is stupid. And I tell you what, we've got an option because you will be corrected. It'll either be in private with a sword or be in public with the community. But it will be exposed.
0: Amen. See, I'm too nice. I wouldn't call you stupid <laughs> or want to slap you. <laughs> but can you get his heart? His heart is that actually we need to take hold of the whole truth. You know, the word of God is said, is, is for us to encourage us from generation to say this close and focus on the word no matter what happens to us in the world living in the freedom and knowledge of God's ways obeying his laws above all else and keeping in step with his commandments is the only way that we truly live wise and strong lives God's word is powerful living and active it never changes it's the same it's the same yesterday and today The words are breathed straight from his heart. It's a love letter. It's breathed straight from his heart. Not simply an old-fashioned, out-of-date book, but it's relevant today. His word is sharper than a two-edged sword. You know, at the beginning of the year, we asked people to come with some prophetic words, and we have been listening to them, and there were some significant words that talked about more of Holy Spirit, but also more of the word. And we'd already felt it was right to do this teaching so, I just wanted to commend, you know, say to you today, this is, rever- you know, God has spoken to us. So, as we j- take this journey, I want us to take time to actually read Psalm 19 as a, as a church. So, you know, I, I'm going to try and be committed to posting out when we're going to be doing it. So, the week before, you can start reading that portion of scripture because there's life in those scriptures. You know, the opening two verses, and we're going to start off on 119, verse 1 to 8, and it starts off the two verses, blessed are we who walk in truth. You know, in the Passion, it says, you know, which is is absolutely beautiful, it says, you are only truly happy when you walk in total integrity. You know, we only know real happiness we line our lives up with the word of God. God is wanting us To take hold of what is in the scripture, we talked about nothing is impossible for God. But unless we know what the scriptures are to to confirm that truth that God wants to restore the prodigals, that God wants to to breathe life on the barren places and to be the bones to come to life, as we read in Ezekiel, and if you know that nothing is impossible, that God wants to heal, unless we know those scriptures. Unless we know the truth of God's word, it is difficult for us to believe that nothing is impossible. So we need to believe and believe that the Holy Spirit just wants to release stuff on us to see the impossible happen. But because we need to also line it up with scripture, because that is the truth. You know, when I was a youngster, um, we used to go away to a camp. And um, one of the things it taught me was the importance of the word of God. And, you know, I was always brought up that the word of God was a sword. And we would grab our Bible and we'd put it under our arm and someone would read out a scripture and they would say, draw your swords, and we'd draw our swords. And they would read out a scripture and we'd define that scripture and we'd read it out. Now, that's very, what you might think, old-fashioned. It's a childlike thing. But what it did, it gave me a desire to read the scripture it gave me an understanding that this is a sword, it's a weapon, that we can use it to speak into situations over our lives. I just want to read through just these verses. Um, Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the law. Blessed are those who keep his status and seek him with all of their hearts. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your degrees. Then I will be not put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your degrees. Do not utterly forsake me. I just want to read the Because when I read Scripture, I often change translations because I think it gives more of a depth to it. So I read it in several different um, translations. And it says, you're only truly happy when you walk in total integrity. What joy overwhelms everyone who keeps the ways of God, those who seek him as their heart's passion, They never do what's wrong. They will always choose the right path. Paths of the Lord. God has prescribed the right way to live. Obeying his laws with all of our hearts. How I long for my life to bring your glory as I follow each and every one of your precepts. Then I will never be ashamed or I take from all your commandments. I will give thanks to you. From a heart of love and truth, and every time I learn more of your judgment, righteous judgments, I will be faithful in all your word all your words reveal. So don't give up on me. You know, we read this, and the psalmist delighted in the fact that those who walk in wholehearted obedience to the law are blessed. Do you know, there are so many blessings in being obedient to the word of God. It's the way to, to, you know, if you want, someone said to me recently, I only want to be happy. And I just said to them, you know, that's a bit of an open question for me, because the only way you can be happy, truly happy, is to know Jesus and to follow his ways. If you walk with Jesus and you don't read the word of God, you're limiting what God can do through you. We need to read his word. We need to understand it. The message says in verse one, we are blessed when we stay on course. We need to stay on course, ladies and gentlemen. We need to stay on course. We need to recognize what God's plan is for our lives. Holy Spirit reveals stuff to us, but we need to stay on course and not be you know, going off on a road that God hasn't revealed to us. We are blessed. In Deuteronomy, um, I think it's 27, it's t- 28. It talks about blessings of obedience, and one of the there are three significant things that the, the um, God spoke over Israel about blessings for obedience. And it was one to the nation that there will be supernaturally military success. And I think there's something in that that we need to take hold of. That we will experience abundant they would experience abundant prosperity in their farming, and their family lives. But the third thing, significant thing was, as God's obedient and holy people, Israelites would enjoy an intimacy with God that would be a testimony to all the people of the world. See, we desire to be a presence-centered community, that we individually, we are presence-centered, that we, we, we camp, inhabit around the presence of God. But we also need to take hold of that. We need to camp around the presence, knowing his word. To take hold of it, read it, take it into every part of your life. You know, we, we often go through life and we say, Oh, I've had a prophetic word. I've, um, we've, you know, someone's spoken over me and I'm going to change it. I'm going to change my job and everything else. But unless we take hold of this, because often this is where God speaks to me. God speaks to me direction, gives me clear indication of the journey or where I've got to go. And I believe God is saying to us, don't go off course. You know, walking in the ways of the Lord, you know, to to, to follow his command is to love God. You know, we read in John 14, if you obey me, if you love me, you obey my commands. And God is calling us into an intimacy with him that we are hungry and we thirst for the more of his presence, that we are hungry and thirst for more of his word. God is taking us, I believe, as a community to a place where the word and the spirit he wants to bring together, that we will see that an explosion. I was trying to explain it to Julia this morning. I felt God was saying he wanted, there's an explosion coming where he is going to release something in our environment that we've never been this way before. But it has to come where we are disciplined and we are corrected. Correction comes from reading the word of God. So John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commands. The blessing of obedience is that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will come and they will dwell in us. If we read in verse 23, of John 14. It says, Jesus says, loving me empowers you to obey my word. And my father will love you so deeply that he will come to you and make you our dwelling place. See, when we are obedient to his word, when we take hold of the word of God and we're obedient and we follow him, Holy Spirit, Father, Jesus, I want to come and make me his dwelling place, their dwelling place. That's you and I. He wants to dwell in us. And, you know, when we look at what it is to, to be obedient, you know, you might be saying to me, you know, we talk about freedom in our environment. Freedom comes with responsibility. Freedom and obedience, listen, listen to his word. There's a balance to it. What does walking in the law mean? It means loving God. He gives us freedom to choose to love him, freedom to choose to follow him, and freedom to choose to obey him. Poor choices take us off course. If we're not hearing what God is saying, we end up making poor choices in our lives. And it's so important in, in obedience doesn't mean that we, you know, walking in obedience isn't always going to be easy but you're always in a place of happiness. You know, if you're not peaceful and you're not happy, you need to ask the question, where are you dwelling? You know, we we need to recognise that Holy Spirit is dwelling in us. We look at verse 3 of 119. Reading it from the message, that's right, you don't go off your Go off on your own. You walk straight along the road he has set. You, God, prescribe the right way to live. Now you expect us to live it. See, this is a, a guide to how to live. If you want to know the next step of your life, read the word of God. You know, just reading each day, going through it, God will reveal truth. God will reveal His Word. You know, read further on in Psalm 119 the Word is a lamp unto my feet. He will guide us, He will lead us. You know, we need to keep focus on where we're going. Distractions can get in the way. I was talking to someone recently, and we were talking about how much social media takes up our time. You know, if we to look back 10 years ago, I think we'll be quite startled at the amount of time we spend on social media and electronics devices. Well, this weekend I lost my phone. It went in the washing machine. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, so I was, I was just thinking about this and I'd just been asking the Lord and I was saying, Lord, what are the distractions in my life? And the Lord was saying to me earlier in the week, you know, your social devices... And I promptly ended up in mine in the washing machine, so I now don't have a phone. So, but hey, but I think God's saying to us, I want you to walk straight. We often get ourselves into difficulty because we are not walking straight in the direction the Father wants us to go. People often come and say, you know, if this is happening in my life and that's happening in life. We can't control what externally is happening around us. But it doesn't have to change the circumstances. The circumstances don't have to change the way I react and how I feel. I am responsible for my own life. I am responsible for the decisions I make in my life. And we have to be accountable to one another. And, you know, so it's important that we make the declaration, whatever circumstances are around me, I'm not going to allow them to affect how I am. I'm not going to lose my joy, my peace, my happiness. Because what's going on around me, and we can take hold of it. Friday, um, it was an interesting day. I'd been away for a few days at a retreat, and um, I was in yum yums on Friday, and I had to be somewhere um, just after five o'clock. And it took me a while because not registered up before in yum-yums, and more or more, it was quite busy, wasn't it? It was a busy day. And um, so I would cleaned up, and I then had to go into the office to finish up something. So I didn't get away till 20 past, 25 past four, and I had to be back here again by five o'clock to open up for somebody else and then go off. So I had to quickly get myself ready and go off to a friend's retirement. And um, when I got in the car, I, I got in the car and I took out the church front door key And I dropped it down the side of the car, the seat, and and it was that place where it's normally really difficult to get. And um, and I thought, you know, I'm just not going to allow this to rob my peace. I thought I'm I'm not going to do this. And I was feeling really chuffed with myself. I was like, this is not going to rob my peace. I'm just keeping focus, Lord. I'm just going to, you know, you you, you just just I'm just going to just allow Holy Spirit just to. Take me through this. You're going to find it for me. So it was me rummaging around the car, and I was thinking I've got to be out of the house. I've got to have a quick shower and everything else. Finally got the keys. I was like, thank you, Jesus. That is so good. And I got to the front door. I got my other keys out, and the front door jarred. I couldn't open the front door. So I'm thinking, Okay, Jesus, (laughs) what are you trying to tell me? So I was like, I'm going to just keep my peace. I'm not going to get anything to get me off course. You know what I've been just preparing, Lord, <laughs> and, um, and I'm not going to allow it to rob me of my peace. And after about two or three minutes, I managed to get the, ju- the cut door sorted and managed to get indoors. And I actually thought to myself, there is something that is trying to rob me of my peace. There's something trying to rob me of my joy. There is... And I was like, no, this is not going to happen. So, I had to wash some stuff from Yum Yums. So I bunged it in the washing machine. I thought, well, what else can I? So, I thought, oh, what well, I was wearing in Yum Yums, shove in the washing machine. For in about two seconds, penny dropped, phones in back pockets, because I don't wear my watch when I'm in Yum Yums. And, 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 do you know, I had to laugh. I, I stood in the kitchen and I was like, do you know, God, this is just funny because, you know, sometimes the enemy just goes that little bit too far. You become aware that there's some activity going on. And you, I just thought, actually, it's a phone. It, it's, it doesn't matter. So it's how do we maintain a healthy heart? You know, we need to maintain a healthy heart. These things can rob us of maintaining healthy hearts. So we need to grasp hold that actually don't allow the enemy to rob you. And I'm checking the and I'm just going to speed it on very quickly. We need to keep hungry. We need to keep hungry. And Revelation three, sixteen, it talks about not to be lukewarm. And I believe sometimes we can be lukewarm in how we are with Scripture. We can be lukewarm in our worship. We can be lukewarm in our relationship with the Father. And I believe God is saying He would rather have us hot, He'd rather have cold or hot. You know, rather cold than the hot, because not lukewarm. And we need to, to be hungry. When we come to worship, there needs to be a hunger and a thirst. G- Julia was sharing this this morning. We need to come and be hungry for the things that God wants. Let's not be sluggish, casual in how we present ourselves. When we come to worship on a Sunday, come prepared. When you come to worship... Come with words that God has given you. We want to release the prophetic into our environment. You have a responsibility to see the environment which we have change. You have a responsibility to pray in those people that God wants to bring into our midst. Spending time in his presence, sitting down, reading scripture, meditating, praying, a, a soaky Need to take hold of how we live is so important. The Bible tells us how to live. Just we quickly look at Colossians 3, and I'm gonna whiz through this because I'm just conscious of the time. It says, so chosen by God of this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out to you, compassion, kindness, humility quiet strength, discipline, be even tempted, tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive and offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. And it goes on to say, let the peace of God keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this to going off and doing your own thing. Be captivated, thanksgiveness. Captivate, thanksgiving. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of your house. Give it plenty of room in your life. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. Let every detail of your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. See, that is being steadfast, that we live righteous lives. He wants us to be clothed and dressed with love. He wants us to have the characteristics of the kingdom. We learn that from walking with the Lord. Forgiveness is key. The Bible teaches us so much about forgiveness. We need to know what it is to forgive one another. We need to know what it is to allow forgiveness to be dealt with in our lives. We just quickly move on to verse four, 5 and 6. Oh, though my steps may be steady, keeping to the call cool set you set, then I'll never have new regrets in, care, in comparing my life with your counsel. When we live a life full of Jesus, we will never be put to shame because we will look at our lives and the reflection of what God wants on our lives, we will be demonstrating. You know, we are called to arise and shine. And I believe this year particularly, God is asking his church to arise and shine. Wherever I go at the moment, God is encouraging the church to step out in evangelism. And I believe we need to demonstrate his goodness. We need to demonstrate his kingdom. And as a church, as the bride of Christ, we need to demonstrate his goodness over our lives. And we can demonstrate that only when we're in an intimate relationship with the Father. When we're into the Word, we then reflect his glory. We need to arise and shine for the light has come. And as Isaiah 60 says, arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is upon us. He wants to come upon us. He wants to demonstrate his goodness over our lives. We need to become proactive and for us to shine in all that God has for us. Very quickly, verse 7, I thank you speaking straight from your heart. I'll learn the pattern of your righteous ways. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. Don't ever walk off and leave me. You know, we need to be obedient to his word. We need to learn to live in the pattern of righteousness. The righteousness of God. You know, I was listening to someone speak recently and he said the righteousness is the starting place that God had for us. What God ordained for us. He wants us to be righteous. He wants us to live righteous lives. We, only make, poor, we make poor choices and it often feels that God's not there. But God is always with us. He never leaves. That's his promise to us. That's in the word of God. His promise is he will never leave us nor forsake us. And often the time I hear over and over again is, I can't hear what God's saying. God's not there. He's there. You're just not connecting. We need to connect. We need to be aware that we need to just hear his heart. And this morning, there's a very... Quickly have taken us through psalm 19 1 to 8 starting block i believe we're on a journey we're in a race and it's a starting block where god wants to take us and we need to be the starting point of a race is the most critical how you start depends on where you finish and we need to realize unless we take hold of what god is saying that we walk in the ways, in his ways, that we, that we are blessed for those who are blameless, who walk according to the law, law of the Lord. We are blessed. We should be the happiest people on the planet. We should be the happiest people. We should be demonstrating the joy of the Lord because his goodness is continually running after us. You know, as Rob and I were sharing recently, we were a seven-month-old little boy's funeral just before Christmas and I think Rob shared it and the the woman that was leading the funeral she just looked down at this little wicker coffin and she said God is good this is not good but God is good and there are circumstances in your life that you say is not good but God is always good God is always always good we need to understand that and take that into every part of our lives. When you know that God is good, that his faithfulness is never-ending, that his word is yes and amen, when you know the truth, when you read it in the word of God, the reality is that you can fit it into everyday parts of your life. The truth God wants to break into our lives and just to to speak to us and reveal his truth over our situations. If you're going through a situation right now and you're saying, where's God? Where are you? I want to suggest to you, you start opening your Bible and you just begin to read his love letter to you, his truth, his word, His passion, which is after you. When he you know, this was written a long time ago. (laughs) But the truth is never changing. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is faithful, he is good. We need to pursue his goodness. We need to pursue joy, we need to pursue happiness, only true happiness, you know, the passion starts this phrase as the way to happiness, and I just love that, because the way to happiness is walking with Jesus, it's listening to his voice, it's taking hold of his word, we are a blessed people, I want you to just turn to one another and say, I am blessed, I am blessed I'm a happy person. God is good. good. All the time. time. That's his nature. Wow. Amen.